Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. How are we doing today? Come on, great to see all of you today. How many had a great spring break? You have a good spring break? I tell you, we had a great time last week away with our family for just a little while, but I missed all of you guys. And some of you are saying, spring break, what are you talking about? My kids were out of school, but I still had to go to work. And I tell you what, but you guys are looking great this morning. Everybody just look at your neighbor. Tell them you're looking good, looking good. If they don't have green on, pinch them this morning. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Hey, this morning we are continuing, uh, actually wrapping up this series that we started a few weeks ago called Book of Prayers. So everybody say, Book of Prayers. Here's what we are doing is we are studying through some of the prayers in the Bible and we are actually praying them in this season of our church. And what we have discovered so far is that prayer is hard. How many have ever discovered that before, right? You want to pray, you know you should pray, you know it's powerful, you believe that when you pray that God does move on behalf of your prayers. But come on, let's just get real. I'm even the preacher here today. I'm just going to be honest. It's hard at times to really pray. Come on, you ever done it before? Like you, you're like, I know that it should pray or someone says, hey, pray for me. And you're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. But then, you know, we forget or whatever, or we even post on their Facebook, give the little, you know, the little hands like this, say, I'm praying, you know, but then we forget to pray or maybe we try to pray and it's like the words just don't come out just right or you don't know what to pray about. Or maybe you're a little bit like me and you have like the ADD prayer life. Anybody know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm going to get focused. I'm going to pray. And it's like, oh, Lord, thank you for this day. And then your mind starts wandering. I've never seen that crack in the ceiling before. Hey, did I leave the milk out? You know, and I need to mow the lawn. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And our mind just wanders all over the place. And so it's hard to know how to pray. So what we have been doing is we've just been looking at a few of the prayers in the Bible. The Bible obviously is a book full of prayers. And what we decided to do is just actually just pray these specific prayers in this season in our church. And this is an important season in our church. In fact, Amber mentioned just a minute ago, a big announcement. I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag today. Today, the announcement is this is our last Sunday in this auditorium. I don't know. I thought y'all would get excited or something like this is it guys. (laughs) Like what we have been working towards for, I mean, two and a half years, like it's time. And that is so incredibly exciting. Next Sunday, we'll be in that new auditorium and we'll have special different service times, 930 and 11. So everybody say 930 and 11. Don't show up at 1025 or at 9 or 1150 because you'll get here all messed up. All right, 930 and 11 next week. And we're going to have just kind of what we call kind of a soft opening, which means that, hey, not everything's completely finished yet, and all the bugs aren't worked out completely yet, and we don't really know how to work all of the equipment yet, because it's not even in there yet, you know what I'm saying? They're going to do that this week, and so for the next few weeks, starting next Sunday, well, for the next few weeks, we'll just be kind of working all the bugs and getting ready, working towards our grand opening, y'all, on April the 14th. Come on, right down the day. 
April 14th will be our grand opening, which we will advertise and we will announce and you'll invite your friends to and everybody in the community to celebrate with us. And then the week right after that is Easter weekend. So on Saturday night at five and then on Sunday morning, we'll have three more services, four services on Easter weekend. And I'm telling you, this is a strategic season and time in our church. And so this is why we have been doing this series praying these specific prayers that we have actually prayed from the Bible. The first week we prayed the prayer of Jabez and Jabez just prayed, God bless us, enlarge our territory, expand our influence, let your presence be with us in a greater way. And that's what we're praying for in this season of our church, that God would just enlarge our territory and bring his blessings in this time so that lives can be touched and changed. And then the second week of the series, we prayed the prayer of David, that David when he prayed, he said, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Give me a, a new heart. And here's what we said. We said, God, if you're going to bring this influence and you're going to expand your blessings upon our life, we got to make sure that our hearts are where they need to be so that you can use us in greater ways. And then last week, Pastor Colton, come on, give it up for Pastor Colton. Didn't he do a great job? And he preached, God, give us boldness. And he talked about we need to have a bolder faith and a bolder belief and, and that our words and our prayers would be, would be bold. And in this season of our church, man, that's what we need more than ever. And today what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this up by talking about, I think, the most important prayer that we could pray in this season, in this strategic time in our church. It's actually found in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 9. It's a prayer that is known as the harvest workers prayer. Everybody say harvest workers prayer. Harvest harvest workers prayer. And Jesus tells us to pray this prayer in Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at it together. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had what? Everybody say it out loud. He had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest. In other words, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray this prayer that God would, everybody say these words, send out workers into the harvest field. Bible says that Jesus looked around and he saw the community. He saw the people around them. And the Bible says that when he saw them, he had compassion upon them. And he, he actually uses this metaphor. He says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like a harvest that is ripe and that is ready. But there's no one to go out and bring the harvest in. And so he says, guys, here's what you got to do. You got to pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers, laborers, people who would go out and bring the harvest in. And I believe this is the season and the time that we are in as a church. For the last two and a half years, we have prayed and we have planted seeds and we have prepared a place. And there are people in our community who are ready to come to relationship with Jesus Christ. And all they need is someone to go to them, someone to share with them, someone to invite them in. And so we're going to pray this prayer today. 
And here's what we're going to do is we're going to look at three things, first of all, about the harvest. And then we're going to see three ways that we can pray this harvest worker's prayer. And then we're going to do something kind of special at the end of the service. You ready? Come on, say, I'm ready. Write, write these three things down. Number one, the first thing I want you to see about the harvest is that the harvest was personal to Jesus. In fact, check this out. Look what it says in verse 36. It says, and when he saw the crowds, he had, he had compassion on them. And, and they were harmed and har- harassed and helpless. They, they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Now just imagine this. Like as Jesus is looking out to the crowd, I can imagine it. It must have been personal to him. I mean, to us, it's easy to not take it so personally because we didn't know those people. But I can imagine Jesus must have known these people. Like as he's looking out in the crowd, like he looks out there and, and maybe he saw someone that's like, hey, I went to, I went to high school with that, with that person. Or, or maybe, you know what, that, that person lived down the block from me in our, in our town, you know, in, in our neighborhood in Nazareth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like maybe it's like, man, you know what, that guy used to work for my dad in his carpentry business. Or that's the guy, you know, that we used to go to synagogue together with. Or I, I've seen that guy at the marketplace. Or I've seen that person as we've walked the streets. And so when Jesus... Jesus looked out over the crowd. He had compassion on them on them because it was personal to him. Like he had seen their needs. And when he saw their needs, like he took this personally. In fact, we see another example of this uh, in this passage in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. Look what it says. It says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, look what it says he did. It says he wept for them. Like he saw the needs of the people and he took it personally. He took it upon himself. He had compassion for them. He, he wept for them. He cried for them. He prayed for them. Even to the point where eventually he would give his life for them. It doesn't get much more personal than that. And today, as we pray this prayer, here's what I would, I would pray for us and what we would pray as a church. God, make it personal to us. God, may we see the needs of people around us and may we, may we be moved on a personal level with compassion towards those who are hurting and those who are in need. See, Jesus took the harvest personally. But then notice the second thing is that to Jesus, the harvest was a priority. Everybody say Priority. In fact, look, look, what, look what it says about it in another passage that describes the harvest worker's prayer in John chapter 4 and verse 35. Look what it says. It says, Jesus says, do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? But behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the field, for they are white for harvest. Now, I got to tell you today, I know nothing about farming, all right? Like, I can barely keep my yard mode. You know what I'm saying? Anybody in the house that you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know anything about, you know, agriculture or horticulture or any of that kind of stuff. Although I do enjoy a green golf course every now and then. Come on, amen. And, and I, but I don't know how, about, you know, what these farmers have to do and, and, and things like that. But I do know one thing about the harvest. And the only reason I know anything about it is because I Googled it. You know, thank you, Google, right? But, but here's what I know is that when, when grain is ready to be harvested, it begins to turn like a golden color. And, and that's how the farmers know that it's ready for the harvest when it turns gold. And so they'll go out and begin to bring in the harvest. But when the, when the harvest, when the grain begins to change colors from that gold to kind of a pale, kind of a white color, that's when, that's when the farmers, like they sound the alert and they drop 
everything to go and get the harvest because here's what they know when it goes from that golden color to that kind of pale white color that if they don't harvest it right then and right there it will fall off and it will be lost and so here's what the farmers do is they will they will make it the number one priority to make sure we don't lose the harvest. In fact, my grandpa, he's a, he's a rancher and uh, he wasn't a farmer, but they, they were in a farming community. And I remember him telling me that sometimes when harvest season would come around during the community, in the community that they live in, that everybody, that like the farmers would recruit everybody, not just the farmers, but their whole family, like the whole community, like people would even shut down, shut down uh, stores in the city. My grandpa, who wasn't even a farmer, he would pitch in and everyone would help to make sure that the harvest was brought in because their livelihoods were at stake. And this is what Jesus was saying. Hey, look at the fields, guys. Like, they are not just gold and ready for the harvest. They are white to harvest. It's like, it's time. This must be a priority because lives are at stake. And this is the season that we are in, I believe, as a church. In fact, this is why this is so important that we pray this prayer because I believe we have gotten to a place where there is a harvest field that is just white and ripe and ready. We've done all of the groundwork for the last two and a half years, man. We have planted seeds and we have prayed and we have built a bigger barn, a bigger place for the harvest to be able to come in and lives to be able to be touched and people to be able to be changed. And in this moment and in this time in our church, this must be the number one priority of our church. Everything else is secondary. In this next couple of months, as we gear up towards our April 14th grand opening and then Easter right after that and then baptisms and dedications the Sunday after that and the dedication of the building a few weeks after that, as we gear up over this next several weeks moving into this new uh, this new auditorium, I'm telling you, we are in a moment and in a time where God wants to bring a harvest of souls, of your friends, of your neighbors, of people in our community that do not know the Lord and we are right and ready for that moment and for that time and we must make that the priority. In fact, it kind of reminds me of another of another metaphor that Jesus kind of kind of teaches to give to give the priority of, of how important this is. He talks about a man who prepares this big feast and he invites people to come in and be part of the feast. And when they, when he invites them, they all make excuses and they can't figure you know, they can't get anybody there. And so he says, guys, we hadn't prepared this feast for nobody to show up. And so he tells his servants, he says, go out into the city streets, go out into the country, in the country roads, go out to everyone that you know and invite them to come in to the feast. And I see that that's the same kind of the same kind of scenario we have here at LifeGate, that we are in this moment in time as we conclude in this auditorium and move into that new auditorium that, hey, the feast is ready. The place has been prepared and there are people, your neighbors and your coworkers and people in your family and your neighborhood and people that you know that God is saying, hey, it's time to go out into the country lanes. It's time to go out in the city streets. It's time to go out to every one that you know and be that harvest worker to bring them in this must be the priority see to Jesus the harvest was personal to Jesus the harvest was a priority but then notice the third thing is it's not just personal or priority but here's what happens is that the harvest will perish 
if we don't have workers. In fact, look what it says in verse 37. And Jesus says, and the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ here today, if you're a Christian, I want you to think about how did you come to know the Lord? Maybe some of you, like, you know, I just grew up in church. That's kind of my story. My parents were pastors, and, and I grew up in, in church. And, you know, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, every Sunday, my parents drugged me to church. Come on, right? And, I mean, it's just that's how I became a Christian, is that my parents knew the Lord. They taught me the things of the Lord. I grew up in church. And some of you, that's your story. That's how you came to know the Lord. And others of you are like, man, that's not even close to my story. Like, my story is my parents didn't know the Lord. They didn't care about church. They didn't bring me to church. But somewhere along the way, someone cared about me enough that they invited me to church or they told me about the Lord. And that's how I'm a Christian today. Some of you are like, hey, it was that cute girl, you know, in high school. And she was a Christian. And she was like, you know, I ain't going to date you unless you go to my church, you know, flirt to convert, you know what I'm saying? Like missionary dating. And, and, and so you're like, man, I don't care about church, but that girl sure is cute. So I'm going to go to that church. You know what I'm saying? In fact, that my, my roommate in college, that was his story that he, he didn't grow up in a Christian family, uh, but there was a girl he liked. He started going to a youth group and through that got saved in, eventually got married to that girl. Now he's a pastor. Come on. You know, I mean, like, like some of you, that's your story. Others of you, it's like, you know what? I just went through a hard time and, and the Lord sent somebody into my life who taught me about, about the Lord or prayed for me or, or somebody gave me a Bible or I heard it on the radio or on TV or whatever. Whatever your story is today, I can promise you there's one thing in common of all of our stories that are followers of Christ and that's this. Someone came into our life. Someone invited us to church. Someone told us about the Lord. Someone prayed for us. Someone, a harvest worker in our lives. And I want you to think about this. Where would you be if it wasn't for that parent? Where would you be today? You wouldn't be a follower of Christ if it wasn't for that person who gave you a Bible. Or if it wasn't for that cute girl who invited you to youth group. If it wasn't for someone, a harvest worker in your life. And now I want you to think about this. All the people in this community. What will happen to them? What will happen to their eternal soul if there is no harvest worker to go to them and bring them to Jesus? Jesus says the the harvest will perish without workers. In fact, Paul said it kind of like this in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God for that. But how can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe on the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear about someone uh, w- about him without someone preaching to them? And how can someone preach to them unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. G- uh, Paul says it like this. He says, how are people going to come to know the Lord unless someone tells them? And how is someone going to tell them unless someone goes to them and brings them in? And he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who are bringing the good news? In fact, all of us who have people who have brought us to Jesus and just need to go to those people and say, you got pretty feet, man, because I'm telling you, you brought me to relationship with God. Harvest, it'll perish if we don't do our part. So what do we do? What did Jesus tell us to do? You know what he told us to do? He told us to pray. And what did he tell us to pray? It's interesting what he told us to pray. It's different than what I typically pray. Here's what I typically pray. God, send people to our church. 
And you know, there's really nothing wrong with that prayer. Like, I still pray that, and I think it's a good prayer. But there's a much more biblical way of praying, which Jesus teaches us right here. He doesn't say, pray, God, send people to our church. Send people to us. Here's what he teaches us to pray. God, send us to people. That's the harvest worker's prayer. And so today, I just want to see three things about what we're going to pray as a church in this season. And then we're going to do something special. So number one, write this down. The first thing we're going to have to pray is this. God, open my eyes. Everybody say, open my eyes. God, open my eyes. Look at this. Look what, look what it says in our passage here in verse 36. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Here's the deal, guys. It's like, there are needs. There are people that are struggling and hurting, helpless, sheep without a shepherd. All around us. Problem is, sometimes we just don't see them, you know? I mean, how many know sometimes you just don't see until you see, right? And then when you see, like you see it everywhere, right? We, we do this little thing. When my, when my daughters were little, we used to play this game. You probably call it, played it before when you're in the car. It's called Slug Bug. Come on, anybody ever played Slug Bug before? And I mean, like when they were little, it was like Slug Bug, Slug Bug. And then, you, you know, they'd nail you. And then you always got to say no tag backs, right? Because you're going to get whacked back. And then my wife, she would always be like, well, you know, I'm not playing. And she wasn't playing until she saw one, you know? And then all of a sudden... <laughs> She's smacking. And then my daughter, she's just about to turn 16, and she still plays it, but she hits a whole lot harder now at 16 than she did when she was six. And, and it was something about, like, you never saw a Volkswagen bug until you start playing slug bug. And then suddenly, like, they're everywhere. Everybody's got a slug bug everywhere. Cause, and what, was, the, what was, was it that happened? They were there all along. You just didn't see them until you started looking, Right? And there's actually something in our brain, it's called the RAS, the Recticular Activating System, that, there is, that when we see something like that, when you begin to think about something like that, you begin to look for something, it creates a category in your brain, and from that point on, you begin to see it all the time. In fact, today is, you know, is uh, St. Patrick's Day, and so I saw one person wear green. Now I see everybody wearing green, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm thinking about it, and here's the deal. When we begin to pray, God, open our eyes, guess what happens? God begins to show us the things that were already right there in front of us all the time, and we just didn't notice. And here's what I'm praying, and I believe that you should pray as well. God, open my eyes to see the needs of people around me, that I'd get my eyes off my own needs for just a little bit to make a priority of the needs of others, the harvest field that is out there just waiting on someone to love them, someone to share with them, someone to invite them. And when I, when I pray this prayer, God opens my eyes, and I begin to see it all around me. God, open my eyes. Then, then what are we going to pray? We're going to pray, God, break my heart. In fact, check this out in verse 36. Look what it says. He says he saw the crowds. And what was the result of what he saw? That he had what? He had compassion on them. And he saw that they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Notice this. Jesus didn't just see the need of the people. He felt the need of the people. In fact, he was so moved that he had this compassion inside of him. In one instance, we read it earlier, that he wept over the needs of the people. That he didn't just see it, like he felt it. For many of us, here's the problem is that we might see the needs of others. But we hadn't put ourselves in their place long enough to feel it. It reminds me of the story that Jesus tells. You may remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember he said there was a guy who got beat up, left on the side of the road. He's going to die. People went by. One guy was a priest. Another guy was a Levite. The problem for them wasn't that they didn't see the guy. They saw him. 
problem was for them is they didn't feel what he was feeling. It wasn't a vision problem. You know what it was? It was a heart problem. And for many of us, that's the, that's the deal. Hey, I see the problems and the needs, but man, I haven't allowed it to get in my heart quite yet. And then, though the Bible says there was another man, a Samaritan man who came along in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. And as he came along, look what it says. It says, he saw the man, yes, but then look what it says. He felt compassion for him. This is what I'm praying for our church, that we wouldn't just see the needs of our neighbors and our family and our friends and the people around us, but that we would be moved on the inside with a compassion for them, that God would open our eyes, that God would break our hearts. But then notice number three, and this is what it leads to, that we're going to pray that God would move our feet. Everybody say, move your feet. Look at this in Luke chapter 10 and verse number two. He told them the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the fields and go. I am sending you. Now, check this out. Jesus says, pray the prayer. But then the very next verse, you know, he says, and you're the answer to the prayer. Isn't that the way God works a lot of times? Like we pray God would do something and God goes, okay, I'll do it. and I'm going to do it through you, right? Like you're the answer to the prayer. And here's the deal is that every one of us, like we're praying God send people into the field and God's going, I'm sending people. I'm sending you. You're the answer to the prayer. We've got to start realizing that it's us that God is sending into the harvest. It's us that he is sending. And it's so much easier to pray the prayer than it is to actually live out and be the answer to the prayer. But here's what I'm praying. God, send us. God, move our feet. Let it not just be like we preach it, but let it be something we live it. Let it not just be something we sing it, but something we bring it. Come on. You see what I did there? Come on. That's pretty good, right? Like that we would be, that we would be the people who would move our feet into a community. It needs a relationship with God. That's what this season is all about. Guys, we've been preparing the field, built the, the house. We've prayed the prayers, we've planted the seeds, we've prepared the place, and now it's time. It's time for us to go out, bring in the harvest. You know, it makes me think of a story that happened just recently. I'm so proud of my, my kids. My daughter, Briley, is about to turn 16 in just a couple of days, and so y'all watch out on the roads, you know. And, and my other daughter, Addie, she's 14, and she has such a heart for her friends and ones that don't know the Lord. She has this one friend that she'd been kind of ministering to. And, you know, these kids go through a lot of stuff these days, more than we did when we were kids. And this, this young lady was going 14, going through some stuff that 14-year-olds go through. And I was so proud of my daughter. She'd, you know, Snapchat and Instagram, but just tell, them, tell her about the Lord and, and invite her to church. And so, I don't know, it was about maybe about three months ago, she invited this friend to youth group on a Wednesday night. And the kid came to youth group, and then, lo and behold, next Wednesday, came to youth group again. And then the next week, again, and the next week, again. I mean, we're picking her up and bringing her and taking her home. And now it's about probably about three months, as best I can remember, this, this girl has been coming to youth group every single Wednesday night. The other night, uh, Addie comes home from youth group, and Amber comes in, and she goes, did Addie tell you what happened? And I said, no, tell her, come tell me. And so she comes in there and sits on the bed, and she says, Dad, I got to tell you what happened to my friend tonight. She's been coming for a few weeks, and God really touched her heart. She kind of shared the story of how God had spoken to her, specifically to her friend that night. 
And then she says, Dad, I, here's what I got to tell you is that remember that time when the building was just getting started and we didn't have sheetrock on the walls yet and we all went out there and wrote names of our friends that we were praying for on the walls and we prayed that they would come in and be part of the church and God would touch their life. He said, she said, Dad, her name was one of the names that I put on the wall. And I just couldn't help but just think, that's what it's all about, guys. That's why we built that building out there. Not so we could have a nice, fancy place with, you know, nice lighting and good equipment and beautiful building. All that's important and it's good and I'm excited about that. But I tell you, we built it because there's a harvest field. It's white. It's ripe. It's ready for harvest. And God is saying, hey, I want you to pray the prayer, but then I want you to be the answer to the prayer. Go. I am sending. Oh,